and assume that the the world is coming to end. There's been plenty of people that have been doing that. We can ignore it and pretend that it is merely overblown. It's nothing more than the common flu. Uh, we might be a little bit past that point now. Or, or maybe we can see it as a vast conspiracy to t- take away our rights. Scary as that thought is, uh, I don't think that's right. Sure, some people are trying to politicize the moment. Or we can fear. We can gather our family close, bunker down, stop living, and worry that the world is going to end. What do we do now? Uh, that's a question that popped in my mind on Friday. I, I had my sermon prepared, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, was continuing on with the, the next thought, uh, love, uh, always trust, and, and, and yet I felt like God was calling me to, to say something different, to, uh, to, to come up with a different response, a different word this morning uh, that would address our growing concerns and and, and our growing uh, awareness of what was going around, around. It didn't seem quite right for me to continue the series as if nothing were happening. And, and in doing that, that, that thought, what do we do now, come, came to mind, and God gave me a, a verse. Now, I've been here long enough for you to know, hopefully, that I, I, I don't think I overstate that God speaks to me differently then he speaks to you. I don't think I, uh, hopefully I don't give you that impression. I don't, uh, I, I don't want to disappoint anyone, but I don't have a special hotline to God. Uh, God doesn't, uh, hasn't given me a special number, or a special verse, or a special uh, way to, to speak to him that when I speak it goes directly to the throne and your requests get put on a back burner while he talks to me. And here's my request. My ear is not more highly trained to hear God's voice any more than yours is. Uh, in fact, I, I, the way I see it, I'm really no one special. God speaks to me the same way he does to you, through his word, <clears throat> through songs, uh, as our worship team brings them to us, through other people, and through his spirit. So, so when God speaks to me, most of the time he speaks to me just like he speaks to you, in small, still, subtle ways. But on Friday, when I was asking that question, what do we do now, uh, and, and really it was a little bit more of a personal question, a little bit more uh, personally in, intended, what do I do now, uh, I, I felt God speaks to me. Now, now before anyone you freak out or get concerned or, or get impressed, it wasn't an auto voice. I didn't hear a booming voice that struck me down. I didn't see a light, a bright light from heaven that caused me to go blind for a period of time. None of that. But, but I felt God speaking to me, and I felt God giving me a verse. So this morning, so this morning I want to share uh, a, a, a different thought with you today, a different sermon than what I had planned. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. It's kind of when this came to my mind, I thought, well, well God, that, that really doesn't address the issue. But, but as I thought about it, I thought, man, this is exactly what I need to hear, what what I need to know, and hopefully it'll speak to you. If you have your, your, your Bibles, go to Acts 16. If you don't have one, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Acts, Acts chapter 16. Uh, most of us are going to be familiar with this story. We're we, going to have heard it before, or at least parts of it, but it's when Paul was, was in the, the city of Philippi and found himself in kind of a rough 
uh, situation. Acts chapter 16, we'll start with verse 16. Once they were going to the place of prayer. Now, Paul had been in Philippi for a few days, had already had his first converts. His first convert was a lady named Lydia from Thyatira. She sold clothing and, and, and uh, uh, purple cloth, and, and she was the first convert as well as some other ladies. They'd been there for, for quite some time, and, and they were going to the place of prayer where we met, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said, said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, let me just give you a little bit of an explanation there. Paul was, the lady was was speaking the truth. She was saying the slave girl that was demon-possessed was speaking the truth, that, hey, they have the way of salvation. They're, 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 They're the ones you should listen to. But Paul didn't want her testimony to match his testimony. That's why he was annoyed by it. He didn't want people thinking that that he was in any way legitimizing this woman uh, the slave girl who had the, the spirit in her. So so we continue on. When the owners of the slave realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened, fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody, Paul and Silas and everyone else uh, included, their chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. If he didn't kill himself, the government would, would have But Paul shouted down, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You're going to, if you want, read on the rest of the story and you'll see what happened. The first thing I want you to notice from this story, the first thing I want you to catch and understand is that Paul and Silas were right where God wanted them to be. So as you, as you see this story develop, as you see the direction that it takes, they were right where God had sent them. If you want to go back to the start of the chapter, you will see that, that God had actually told Paul and Silas to go to Macedonia or go to Philippi. They'd wanted to go a different direction. They'd wanted to go to a different city, but, but a, 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 a spirit had appeared to them. The spirit appeared to them in a dream and said, no, go to Macedonia, go to Philippi. So, so catch this, they were right where God had sent them to be, right where God wanted them. Now, Paul could have easily, we, 
we know from, from past experience, maybe this wasn't what he was expecting, but Paul could have easily, he and Silas thought, well, well, God sent me to Macedonia. A lot of his other stops had, had been of his choosing. He had chosen uh, popular cities, popular cities, important cities. He followed trade routes, and, and that's where the, the cities that Paul went to. But this was different. God had singled out this area and said, Paul, Silas, you go there. So it's easy to think that Paul might have had the thought in his mind that everything's going to be different. We are going to blow this city up with the teaching of Jesus. A revival is going to break out, and everything is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. But we see from the story that if that's what he was thinking, he was gravely mistaken because it didn't turn out that way. Instead, after a few converts and things seemingly going well and some popularity, he was arrested, beaten, and thrown into prison. Now, I don't want you to miss this. We're, we're, we're going to talk, uh, what, what I want you to see, I think what God wants us to see today is Paul and Silas's response to, to where they were found. But don't miss this. The umbrella that covers this whole story is that God was in control. Paul and Silas, as they sat in shackles in prison, believed to their very core. We'll, we'll see that from the text. That's what's cool about this. Believed to their very core that God was in control. We are, we are experiencing, at least for, for us, unprecedented times. I think we need to step back and realize that, uh, that other generations have faced things more devastating than this. Christians in the early church faced things more, more frightening than this. But, but for us, we're in unprecedented, unprecedented times. We're facing a crisis that is worldwide that we can't control. And, and depending on who you listen to, I hope they're all wrong, but, but will probably affect all of us in some way. Already has. We've lost March Madness, so we've been affected, haven't we? Uh, but we will be affected by this, but don't miss this point. Catch nothing else today. God's in control. The World Health Organization might think that they're in control. The CDC might think that they're in control. The media might think that they have this mastered. President Trump and his team might think that they are in control. Local governing bodies, bodies might think they're in control, but but it's God that's in control. What Paul and Silas knew, what Paul and Silas knew was that God was in control. Church, can we can we step back for just a moment, take a deep breath, and ask ourselves, do we believe that? Do we believe that? Paul and Silas even though they were in the middle of God's will, doing what God had called them to do, found themselves in a place where that they could have been gripped with fear and frozen by fear, but instead found themselves empowered by their faith. They didn't know what tomorrow held for them, but they knew who held tomorrow. This is what they did, church. This, 
this is what they did. Look at verse 25. And I think, church, I, I would ask us uh, as believers to just follow this simple little pattern. They were in a place where they literally didn't know if they were going to live or die. They didn't know if they had a future or didn't have a future. So, so those of us that are most, most uh, fearful about this situation, that's where we are. The world's, hey, are we going to live or die? That's exactly where Paul and Silas were. Notice verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Here's the first thing they did. They prayed. Now, if, if you're like me and you've, you've read this story before, and I, I would assume that a lot of you had, have, if you're like me and read this story before, you're, you probably have done what I've done over and over again. I, I almost zip past this part of the story. Now, it's obvious. I, I understand it. I don't, I don't, it's not like I missed it. I knew that they prayed and, and were singing, but, but it's almost like we zip past this part of them praying to get to the good part. When the earthquake happens, the, the shackles fall off, the, the, the jailer's about ready to run himself through with the sword, and Paul yells up. That's the cool stuff. Then he goes up and he baptizes the jailer and his whole family. That's what we see next in that story. We, we, we bypass this to get to the good stuff. But have you ever, have you ever asked yourself this? What was Paul and Silas praying for? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, but what were they praying for? Now, now, don't raise your hand on this, uh, and please don't look around to, to, to look at someone if you know this applies to them. Uh, but have you ever been in jail? Uh, so please don't look around. Uh, now, I have never, I've never been incarcerated. I, I've the, the closest I ever got was uh, about uh, probably 12, 13 years ago. I was driving down a one-way street the wrong direction, and I stopped at, a, uh, at an intersection, not because there was a light, not because there was a stop sign, but, but because there were three lanes of cars that were stopped at a light that were facing me. And I realized something's not right, and so I turned right, and when I did, one of those cars in those lanes turned left, right as he turned his lights on and, and pulled in behind me. Now, did I tell you where I was? I was in Juarez, Mexico. And I was going down a one-way street the wrong way. <laughs> and uh, I was concerned, to, to say the least. Uh, uh, now, beside me was Rafael Berciaga, the, the, one of the pastors there, uh, and if I was going to jail, Ralph was going, or Raphael was going with me because he's the one that told me to turn onto that street in the first place. So I was gonna, I was gonna throw him under the bus as well. But, but let me tell you what I was doing. I, I didn't end up in jail. Uh, we talked our way out of it, but I was praying. And, and what I was praying was this. God, get me out of this. I was praying for one person. Well, maybe Ralph too, but. I was praying mainly for me. Uh, I would guess, if you've ever been to jail, uh, you can come up beside me and, and discreetly uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. But my guess, if you've ever been in jail, uh, uh, you prayed. And my guess is that you prayed for yourself. God, get me out of this. God, protect me. What was Paul and Silas praying for? We would think 
particularly when we see what happens. An earthquake comes, and there's shackles fall off, the doors sling open. You would think that they were praying that prayer. God, get me out of here. How can, I, how can we reach these people in Philippi if we're stuck in a dungeon? Paul, God, get us out of here. How can we spread the gospel if we're here? You would think that they were praying for themselves, but, but, but let me step back. I don't think they were necessarily praying. Maybe a little bit. Maybe that was part of their prayer. I'm sure it was, you know, Paul's testimony was uh, for me to live as Christ to die as gay so so if, if I keep living I get to serve Christ and so I knew he felt that a little bit but but I think we have a hint in in the direction their prayer was going verse 25 says that the other prisoners were listening to them verse 28 says that 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 when the jailer saw that Paul shouted don't harm yourself we're all still here Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 Paul talking, uh, writing a letter to the church at Philippi, and he was in jail at the time. It's a different time, but he's in jail in Rome. says, now I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul could see that being in jail wasn't the worst thing in the world. So I don't think that Paul and Silas were necessarily praying, God, get me out of here. You know who I think they were praying for? I think they were praying for Lydia, their first convert. And, and some of the other ladies and some of the other ones that had come to know Jesus. I think they were praying because we've been arrested, because we've been persecuted. The persecution might head towards them. I think they were praying for the other believers. God, keep them safe. You know who I think they were praying for? I think they were praying for, praying for that slave girl. Paul had cast the demon out of that slave girl. That's why they ended up in prison, because her val- she had no value now, because she used to tell, the tr- tell, tell uh, uh, fortunes and, and great uh, made great wealth for her, her her owners. Now she had no value to them. I have a feeling that Paul was praying for that little slave girl. Lord, give me a chance to introduce her to Jesus. And you know who else I think, what else they were praying for? I think they were praying, God, use it. God, use me. God, give me a chance to make a difference. Church, we need to be praying. And no, it's not wrong to pray for yourself. It's not wrong to pray for your family. It's okay if you pray for your friends. There's nothing wrong if we fall on our knees and say, God, you protect us, keep us safe, keep this terrible disease or whatever it might be. Lord, keep us safe. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But church, we need to be praying for three groups of people. We need to be praying for other believers. We, we need to be praying for our church that we remain strong. And, and yes, for those among us that, that are the, the, the most susceptible, those of us that, uh, that, that we fear for, we need to be praying certainly that God will keep us physically safe. But even more important than that, pray that as a church we remain spiritually strong even if, God forbid, that would mean staying strong to the very end we need to pray for one another we need to be praying for people who are a slave to their fear just as they probably prayed for this little girl we need to pray for people that don't have a future that don't have a hope that don't know where god is leading them we need to pray for the people who are slaves to their fear and we need to pray simply that god uses us Church, this is an opportunity. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we finish. 
this is an opportunity for God to use us. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns. So, so, so here, first of all, church, let's pray. And here's the second thing. They praised. They, they were praying, but they also praised. When, when we praise, when we praise, we're right in tune with God's will. In Psalm chapter 18, uh, the first few verses, it says this, Psalm 18, starting with verse 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. In Psalm chapter 27, in Psalm chapter 27, it says, In verse 13 and 14, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Praise and acknowledging who God is. Praise and acknowledging who God is and fear cannot coexist. We can't at the same time recognize God and give praise to who He is, acknowledging that He is in control. We can't do that and at the same time fear. Did, did Paul and Silas have fear? I have to believe they did a little bit. They, they were hurting physically. They were hurting emotionally. But, but they didn't fear. They praised they didn't know what was going to happen, but they knew whatever it was was not going to be good. And they had no control. Isn't that the real source of fear in our world today? Not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing it could be bad and having no control. I've had people ask, well, why are people hoarding toilet paper and, and paper towels? When, when we have no control, we want to control something. Now, I don't know why you want to control your toilet paper uh, uh, stockpile, but, but people want to control something, and, and when we don't have control, there's fear. Paul and Silas chose instead to praise. Over in Philippians chapter 4, again, we're, we're talking Paul to the church at Philippi while he was in prison, said this in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or fearful about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, Jared talked about that, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he's talking all the things of God, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Church, this is the time where we can stand up and even in the midst of the unknown and the uncontrollable, Live without fear. 
And, and I want you to see the last thing that they did. They, they prayed, they praised, and then they paused. They, they could have said when the, the earthquake happened, the doors flew open, the shackles fell off, they could have said, every man for himself. They could have said, great, we're out of here. But they chose instead to minister. They chose instead to speak the truth to a jailer who himself had been seized by fear. Church, I wonder if God isn't calling us, God isn't calling us to pause. To stay right where we are. I I would suggest, I, I, I honestly don't know what the future holds. I don't know to, a week from today whether we will be telling you to stay home and, and, and just watch on Facebook or saying, hey, the doors are open, come. I, I have no idea what next week will hold or, or next month. I have, have, have no idea. But church, I know we are called to, called to pause and stay in the moment to minister. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like for us. I, I hope that, that, that a couple weeks from now, this is blown over and we go on life as normal. But if it doesn't, church, it is a time where we might be called to step up and serve in ways we never even thought about. Where we're called to pause and be in the moment, like Paul and Silas did. Let me finish with this. Uh, worship team, you can come on up. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, are, are these words. And, and I would, would like you, if you underline your Bible, to underline these verses. In chapter 3, I'll give you a little bit of time to find uh, Habakkuk in your Bibles, kind of back of the Old Testament. Uh, it's a little tough to find sometimes. But in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, uh, the prophet says this. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and the cattle and no cattle in the stalls. In other words, though everything fall apart, I've lost everything. This is what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Can we follow the example of Paul? Can we simply pray? Not just for ourselves, God, protect me from this, but can we pray for, for the church? Can we pray for those that don't know Jesus, that don't have hope? Can we pray that God will use us in an opportunity to be a blessing and a strength? Can we praise? Can we take our eyes off our, our fears, eyes off our present, and put them on the, the one that is in control. And we choose to praise. And when we pause and be present in what he wants us to do. Would you pray with me? Father, you, you have always used your church in times of crisis, in times of hurt, in times of uncertainty. You've always used your church to be a voice of reason and a voice of hope. Father, 
I pray today as a church, as we walk out of here, we can, we can have confidence. And Father, there's, you certainly understand that we have concerns. You certainly understand as we, we might have fear for a, a loved one that's, that's elderly or a loved one that has a medical condition or, or our, certainly our own children. Father, the, you, you put that in, in, in our heart, that love that would cause us to do that. So, Father, we understand that. We know that you understand that. But, Father, more importantly than that, can you help us remember that you, you are in control no matter what, no matter what. Father, you've, you've got a plan, and you can use us. Father, open our hearts, open our minds, open our faith to you. In Jesus' name, amen.